In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Here's Chuck Oliver Show. Tuesday, and it's Tuesday after the season is over. Michigan will, I don't know, we were checking their home basketball schedule. Whatever the next Saturday is, maybe it's this Saturday, uh, whenever they have a basketball game on campus, they will have either pre or post something in the stadium, and everybody can come out, and it's a big celebration. Then the, for like the season will really be over at that point. Uh, but for everybody else, uh, that is is where we live. And we had Dave Bar two on, and that's every Tuesday, bottom of hour one. And one of the programs we talked about, we bounced out all around everywhere. Started with two national championship teams, went to the ACC, started in the SEC with Auburn and LSU. Uh, and we'll go to Auburn because Philip Montgomery got whacked and he got $3 million on his way out the door. And I'd said even a program such as Auburn, at some point, it's kind of about the money. Uh, at some point, even a program like Auburn is like, uh, how much are we spending? Especially when the donation that used to come straight to the school is now going to the don't tell me never to yield, I believe, is the Auburn uh, collective that – it might be eighth check down. Uh, that is the you can thirty four dollars a month. Like we, they boy, I tell you what, my school really worked that Bo Jackson angle, um, and so that we got that collective. And so the money that used to come in, it's tighter anyway. And so you're calling around trying to. I told you I, they didn't call me. I know a fancy pants attorney that got a call when they're trying to fire Tuberville. Hey, we're calling around. We're trying to round up checks $50,000 a piece. He hung up on them. He's like, I don't know. But that's how they got to raise the money somehow. And so, like, this list of people, I don't know. They're getting wined and dined and pursued and told that they're pretty more than ever. But at the same time, I believe almost all of these people whether you sell lumber or mortgages or whatever it is, how you get your money. Maybe daddy has trees. Um, I actually had somebody, person I knew from Mississippi and Laurel, Mississippi. And, well, daddy has trees. I was like, oh, because I used to see her at all the games. And I was like, how are you sitting in those scholarship seats? You know, the scholarship seats are like you pay enough to fund a scholarship. Um, oh, well, daddy has trees. I was like, well, that's a good thing for daddy to have. Uh, so. These people, whether, I don't know, like Bo Jackson himself, he's got cash, or daddy had trees, or I graduated and now I run Apple, which there's somebody who graduated from Auburn, and now he runs Apple. All of these people are getting the full court press, put them on them like never before. And I think most of them in that position have actually been swayed to give a little more or a lot more than ever before. 
Except it's not going to the school now or just to the school. It's going some to the school, but mostly to name. So it's getting tougher to pay the bills. So Auburn's looking for an OC. Understand what Dave Bartu does for a living. And I've tell you before when he just, I mean, he's just throwing chili peppers some days. I'm like, we don't prep for this, folks. I told him, I was like, yeah, we'll talk about Miami and Clemson and LSU and Auburn and the SEC. That was it during the commercial break, like literally right before we came back. So he knew I was going to go to Auburn. And he said, Damian Craig, like, he ain't calling plays. He's going to be a recruiter, so it doesn't matter. He's not really in the running to be OC. Ken Austin, if you don't know Ken Austin, Ken Austin played quarterback in the SEC, like, way, way back. I'm going to say Ken Austin played quarterback in the SEC Heath checked in, in the early 80s at Ole Miss. And then he was a offensive coordinator like you know, the OOs. He might have been at Ogeron's of, or maybe for Houston Nutt at the beginning. But he's a special assistant, and maybe he'll be back in the fold. I don't know what they're – but the point is it can be someone that is way less expensive than just the salary of Philip Montgomery – and the three million dollar buyout. Well, again, this is because Hugh. Did they have super duper results? No, not at all. Apparently, there were weeks when Hugh Freeze was, and everybody knew this. Like it was supposed to be this way. These are weeks that Philip Montgomery will have. Here are the keys, man. Go drive it. And those weeks, the performances were sketchier. Now, they didn't have a perfect situation at quarterback, and they didn't block as well as – I mean, they weren't supposed to win Joe Moore, but they didn't block as well as maybe we were thinking because everybody brings in senior offensive linemen and they get better, and then Auburn brought in senior offensive linemen, and they got better. And you kind of say it like that. So he's looking for – he's looking to hire an assistant over there. And regardless of whichever way they go, it's going to be him running the thing. And I, I think more than anything, more production at quarterback, that can be from Peyton Thorne. But they need more production at quarterback. Maybe some of what they saw towards the end on a couple of Saturdays. But Auburn is in a spot right now. Now, I said Mississippi State has become the har- hardest job in the FCC, the toughest job. And adding a first-time-ever head coach and Oklahoma and Texas to the mix doesn't really make it easier. But Mississippi State, I said this during the season, it has become the toughest job in the SEC because there are expectations. You want to dream big because, I mean, heck, we were number one in my lifetime, I, like nine years ago. We were number one for five weeks. But it's not even that. I have legitimate expectations that I have a right to, and I don't, I don't think anybody would push back on this. I have expectations of in-state dubs, if not every year, most years, and that's not true either. But in something like the Egg Bowl, you have, I mean, who are you playing against? You're playing against Ole Miss. Who are they? And traditionally, for the past, I don't know, like 50 years, you were right. And then maybe now you're not, but you were for half a century. And so it was okay for anybody in either Oxford or Starkville to go, we should beat them almost every year. And I would look at either one of them and go, yeah, sure. The other is not dominant enough that they ever should win eight out of 10. So you up your game some, you absolutely, you could do that. 
Absolutely, you could because, in part, you have some blue sky to get better because of what your program is, and they're really beatable in a span like that because of what neither of you have ever become consistently. Now I look at Oxford and I go, uh, maybe. So that's part of it. Then you hired a first-time ever head coach who may have some success, quarterback, uh, and OU and Texas are coming in. So since you have expectations and you spend some money and you've had success recently-ish, none of that's true at Vanderbilt. So that's why this is the toughest job. Auburn, it's different. You've won a national championship recently. You've won an SEC championship, a couple of them. You played for one against, like, Kirby, who's still there. And this is the most extended period of averageness to honestly below than any Auburn fan. I talked about this about a year ago before Hugh Freeze took over. The reality that every single program, no matter who you – Ohio State had a – was a 2011, I think. They had a 6-6 six and six season, the fickle season. Um. Everybody has a car crash season. It's just, what is that car crash? For Vanderbilt, it may be an offer. For Ohio State, 6-6, six and six, this better turn around, and then it did turn around. So everybody has that. Um, Auburn, they've had car crash seasons, but at 3-9, and nine, and then the next year, I don't know, let's play for a national title. That's extreme, like both ends of that. But... It had always been a program for most of the lifetime of anybody listening. Auburn was a program that they may have – it was their turn to have a car crash, but it probably only lasted a season, maybe two, and then they were back to being really good to great, to national title-ish. And that's real. They beat Alabama six straight. You know what Auburn is now? A program with the greatest expectations in the SEC, with the least – uh, means to achieve them. Auburn is not like Mississippi State where we have in-state expectations. Nay, I say Auburn has more realistic views of the in-state situation than they do the conference-wide situation. It's a very clear understanding of what Alabama certainly was saving. That bone to be chewed, everybody knows. It's easier to think about Auburn. We should be better than the SEC. Well, did you beat Alabama? Now, hang on now. Stop. It's a it's an interesting dynamic, man. It's 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 I mean, unlike any other in college football. And they beat him six straight. And I'll give Gus credit. I think he won three. Like at one point he was three and four against Nick Saban. And you look at a couple of the losses. Like, go look at that 09 game. Like, wow, that was a lot different than I thought it was going to. There were a lot of those that they, and then this past year, whatever. You win or you don't. But Auburn has won enough against Bama in the conference. Heck, nationally, they've won enough where there are expectations that go way beyond we should beat the Rebels every November. And Mississippi State, where I say it's the toughest job in the SEC, I'm still talking about to change that, to 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 turn the valve and just release all the pressure. What will it take? Win seven and beat Ole Miss. Win eight and don't. If you do that, 
there's no way for even if you lose to Ole Miss, there's no way for you to get to eight wins where you don't have some skin on the wall in the expanded conference. Because there was no, even give them credit, I said earlier in program, there is no Missouri that we added. There is no down program. OU in Texas, if you get to eight wins, I don't care how you do it. Get to eight wins. Get to seven and win the Egg Bowl. And it's Auburn, no. Not really what they're about. So I think Hugh Freeze. He's looking around right now thinking, I got to get involved. Like, sleeves are rolled up, and he's got, like, the recipe all over him now. Like, he's in amongst the make line. So that's where the OC search stands. The OC search is we're going to add somebody on this side of the ball that the quarterback gets along with, and we're going to roll from there with my offense um because they got to get a lot a lot better and it, i don't know that they're i've always we talked about started the show with it how do you get better well either better coaches better players mm, i don't know they're gonna get a better player at quarterback not right now i think so just coach them better and so that may be a lot more hugh freeze hands-on like all throughout the season the week game day all that all right uh we're gonna break and we will continue next more college football talk with the king of college football it's the chuck oliver show on southern sports today tuesday on chuck oliver show and there still is a first wednesday of february Uh, a lot of the moving and shaking will be done before that when it comes to cruton and adding to your class and whoever's and the ncaa no we announced this and it was just i mean barely even a blip yeah just sign whatever you got to sign just stay at 85 uh georgia tell you right now kirby ain't playing around transfer portal and some of these guys that they brought in uga it's not just rotation guys or wave depth um and even they bring in a quarterback who i can tell you is the idea is he doesn't start this year he may start at some point big giant kid with a lot of eligibility left uh let's bring in right now dogs hq that's an on three thing jake roos jake welcome back friend how are you Hey, I'm doing well, Chuck. Glad to be back with you, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, let's talk about what Kirby's doing in the portal because there are all kinds of different approaches, and Lord knows it's year to year. Was it two years ago? Kirby was like, we didn't take anybody, and now he took some people. Um, let's first of all talk about just overall some of the guys because I think there are now six incoming transfers, including a quarterback who was a starter at UNLV who's now in the fold. Um, just give me your overview of where Kirby is with this portal thing this year. Yeah, you know, I think he's been active in using it uh, to supplement what they do. Um, you know, I think he's been pretty clear that high school recruiting is going to be the lifeblood of this program, and so they're not going to necessarily be turning that way unless they have to. But, you know, in certain areas, I think it makes a lot of sense, and that's where they tend to use it, uh, wide receiver being one of them. Yep. Uh, bringing in a couple of guys there, uh, three guys actually at this point, uh, Michael Jackson the third, Colby Young, and then London Humphreys out of uh, Vanderbilt. Um, you know, uh, they only brought in two guys 
in the 2024 class, uh, the signing class. So it made sense to go that direction. Everybody's looking for help uh, when it comes to the uh, defensive line. So Xavier McLeod was a guy they knew well. They scouted him heavily coming out of high school, uh, had the opportunity to bring him in. And then, like you said, you uh, bring Jaden Maiava in and uh, uh, just an interesting pickup for Georgia. Uh, like you said, they're, they're pretty well set at quarterback. It feels going into next year, but they're not going to take any chances. It was pretty clear they wanted two quarterbacks in this class as well uh, with Dylan Riola being long committed. So it makes sense that they might go out and find another guy if they felt that they could help him. Uh, I, I feel like uh, Jade Maiava, definitely a guy that they feel can help. And Trevor Etienne, it used to be, I want my touches. And now I don't think it's about that. I think it's about the offensive line, what my role will be. I guess, can we win? I would like to get paid as well. Um, This is not the days of we get a running back and it's workhorse 28 carries. Yeah, no question. I mean, Georgia right now carrying a plethora of running backs. I think they're currently sitting at like six or seven uh, on the roster. So, um, yeah, a lot of guys, a lot of mouths to feed. So, uh, Etienne probably coming into this thing, I would expect, you know, uh, probably looking to shoulder the load in this. But there are a lot of guys that are going to be getting touches for this Georgia backfield, certainly. And, um, you know, uh, I agree with you uh, when it comes to the offensive line. I think that was a very compelling sell for him. Uh, Got a lot of experience coming back there, a lot of snaps under those belts. Uh, they understand, uh, you know, obviously I think Etienne understands well what Georgia can do in the rushing attack. He had a chance to see it uh, at, at Florida on the sidelines in Jacksonville. Yeah, I envision like a Logan Diggs thing. Came in from Notre Dame, was the lead dog, but, I mean, Josh Williams played, Noah Kane, the rest of them. So, um, but he's just an elite talent, no doubt about that um, at all. Um, all right, so what do they still want to get done in the portal? Um, any sort of individual targets? Because you're right, they've looked at a couple of position groups and said, all right, this is what we want here. Any activity still remaining, you believe? Yeah, I think that you could potentially see another wideout. That wouldn't shock me necessarily, especially a younger guy, um, somebody that they felt could uh, get in there and kind of get part of the system. Um, You know, just to flesh that out, obviously they're going to be continuing to look for defensive line help, but that's not unique to them. Everybody wants that out of the portal. And the same is true of an edge rusher. I think that they'd love to have a guy who could kind of crash, create some pressure on the quarterback. But again, so does everybody else in the country. So Georgia, um, I think their needs line up a lot with what everybody's seeking, which is difference makers uh, on the defensive front. So a lot of articles were already written, and then as soon as the final gun last night, you hit post, and it's my way too early top 25. And I've already seen Georgia number one in a few of these. I think I also saw they're the betting favorite, and that's the one that really matters. Um, So let me just you project, and I know it's about still about transfers and who's there, and there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, Tell me where Georgia would be gettable right now. Like, where is a crack potentially on the roster for 2024? Granted that you don't know how London Humphreys works his way into the off. So against all of that uncertainty, tell me where you think that there might be a question mark for Georgia. You know, right now, I think that they've got to figure out how to replace Javon Bullard at that safety spot. Uh, you've got a great one with Malachi Starks back there. There's no question about that. But who becomes the second guy back there? Is it Ja'Cory Thomas, perhaps? Uh, you know, do you see a situation where Janelle Aguero maybe finds his way back there um, after playing some star this year? Uh, you know, to me, that's a big question. They've been very solid in the deep field uh, defensively. But, um, you know, replacing a guy like Javon Bullard never going to be easy for you. And then I think, too, 
you want to look at that edge position. Uh, Chaz Chambliss caught a lot of flag, probably undeservedly so from Georgia fans, um, but they want to continue to improve that position. Michael Williams looks like he's going to make the turn there and look pretty natural doing it in the Orange Bowl, but you want to see him continue to take steps forward, I think, moving, uh, moving ahead. They need a difference maker to step up on this defensive line. They lack that, obviously, I think, after you lose guys like Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. Didn't maybe have that same caliber of guy. Those are hard to come by to begin with. But uh, I think that those are the areas, if you're looking kind of uh, across Georgia's defense, that's probably where I'm looking. And then, like you said, the uh, the, the wide receiver room, I think you've got to see who steps forward. Uh, certainly, they need a pass catcher to emerge after all Brock Bowers did for them. I think that uh, you can't replace a guy like that. You can only hope to find somebody who's willing to step up and uh, maybe find a role. Uh, you know, I, if they're quite as special as Brock Bowers, what a great treat. But uh, I don't think you can put that on anybody. All right, wrapping up again, uh, Jake Roos and talking Cruton and George and everything else with Jake Roos. He is our truest reporter for today, talking UGA. Just one more quick question, um, and this is maybe just an overview. We got like 60 seconds. Elijah Griffin, I have saw, he's a five-star kid, maybe the number one recruit in the state of Georgia. Um, do you have any extra evaluation? you may do for a and I've been told a lineman from a private school uh is that too broad a brush to say just look a little extra hard on him just give me 30 seconds about that idea no, nah, not with a guy like this, man. He's that special. I mean, everywhere Elijah Griffin has been, he's really shown that he's the real deal. I understand that those hesitations are out there for some people, and I think they're justified in some respects. But okay. this guy is built like a grown man. He's ready to compete right now. Yeah, six five two eighty five, and I heard the word athletic. I was like, all right, I'm in. Uh, so I appreciate you as always, Jake. Thank you, man. Hey, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it. Jake Rose, senior recruiting analyst, Dogs HQ, covers Georgia in general as well. And so certainly not anything about Elijah Griffin. Um, you know, I normally say, couldn't pick him out of a police lineup. No, I think you, Elijah Griffin, I would say, that's the six five two eighty five kid who looks like he's on the track team. Um, but I don't know anything about Elijah Griffin. I know he's a five-star lineman, and I have been told by folks who have made their living in the recruiting industry for more than 20 years that just look a little extra is all. Maybe they're giant college players and not in the NFL. Maybe they're not giant college players. Maybe they don't start. Um, But just that, if they're linemen, especially interior, and they play in a private situation, we'll just kind of look a little extra. In the case of Elijah Griffin, again, number one player in the state of Georgia, I think everybody can be uh, very confident in what he's able to uh, produce on Saturdays coming up. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. So Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com. 
Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Michigan is national champions. And I have said, going into the game, I thought they would win, but I was like, whether it's Michigan, whether it's the Huskies, let them win, have their parade or their moment in the stadium, whatever Saturday they got a home basketball game coming up. I was like, let them have their moment, their parade. Then we'll talk about a top two, 25 way too early, and we'll talk about whether Jim Harbaugh's in the NFL, and we'll do all of this stuff that we can get to. And so now we've got our national champion, and boy, was it convincing against a truly great opponent with what you have to have in college football, a guy that you win because of at quarterback against that bunch. Uh, late score included, whatever. They get the dub and a runaway, and it's a national championship for the Michigan Wolverines. Want to welcome on right now, man. We've had on before. Always a good time. WTKA, that's uh, Ann Arbor. He's afternoon drive host. It's Matt Missler. Matt, welcome back, man. How are you today? Doing well, Chuck. How are you doing today? Oh, nothing but blessed. Talk about Donovan Edwards and the pop plays and the offensive approach in the first quarter, really, where the mid I, I mentioned starting with the Arizona game, the end of September, I was like, I think the Huskies won on defense a little bit, um, despite panics and all that stuff. I was like, they're good defensively, folks. And then we realized how much. Talk about the first quarter and any sort of surprise you had that it was that effective for uh, Michigan. I think a little bit was surprising, especially um... – I mean, I, you kind of knew that Michigan's run game was going to be a very prominent uh, effect on the game. But I think a lot of people, and I think a lot of uh, even us in the media here in Michigan, were kind of surprised with how Donovan Edwards, his first touch, and of going 41 for a touchdown. He's been, uh, been very silent this year. And, you know, even leading up to it, I had talked about, you know, a lot of people were asking leading up to it, hey, uh, is is this affecting your psyche? And he, his exact quote was, he, "He's not. I'm not. I'm not even tripping." That was the exact verbiage that he used in the in the interview. And being able to talk with some some therapists to get his get his head right, and it paid off dividends last night uh, with the first two touches going for forty plus for touchdowns. Blake Corum as well had kind of a Blake Corum performance there. Um... Talk about just him coming back and the injury from last year and just like because just at a place like Michigan where you get your somebody's attention as a running back given their history. Um just talk about his overall impact with the program. I mean, he's been he's been a, a, an immense, you know, presence on and off the field. I mean, off the field, I think I mentioned it to you the last time that you and I had talked, he had uh uh, he was uh, about to do a, a huge toy drive at one of the big, um, you know, shopping plazas here in Metro Detroit, and you know, thousands upon tens of thousands of people showed up just for it to help donate with toys. So he, that was one of his big things that he wanted to make sure that he left an impact off the field, besides on the field. We've seen over the years, especially you know last year, where it looked like he was a Heisman contender. Uh, then he unfortunately gets cut down with a with that knee injury that yep. you know just before the Ohio State game that hey you know can you know he he was even told by coach you know you can go to the draft you can be uh, you could be uh, an amazing asset at the pro level but in his mind is he wanted to cement himself as being a Michigan legend and 
I mean, hey, when you pass up a, when you finally eclipse a, t- a rushing touchdown record that's been held for over 20 years yeah. by one of the greats in Anthony Thomas, you know, that, that tells you something. But to do it and then to keep that same mindset of the job's not done, I want a national championship. I mean, that just tells you something right off the get-go there. Yeah, Harp, Bianca Batuka. I mean, just even in modern times, I go back to a guy named Rob Lytle. And so, I mean, I, oh, yeah. Michigan running backs forever. And I'm like, this guy's better than Joe Morris. This guy's, you know, Butch Wolfolk. So it's just an unbelievable impact he had. And then the extra year, and it's a national title. Continue Matt Misler. He's afternoon drive yonder in Ann Arbor. Um, all right, let's talk the biggest of big pictures, I guess. Um, <laughs> Where's Jim Harbaugh going to be, let's say, August 1st, 2024? Oh, man, oh, man. You know, at the beginning of the season when the suspensions came down, when the first three-game suspension came down, I would have told you that Jim Harbaugh was going to be a head coach at the National Football League level, whether it would be maybe, you know, obviously when we find out with all these coaching openings have opened up, possibly with the Chargers or even with – with Carolina to help develop these uh, those two young quarterbacks in Herbert or or, or, uh, or Young, but then after watching the game last night and his interview on TV, the way they kind of almost it was almost a cryptic message like saying you know spring is nice in Ann Arbor and I, we we kind of like that up here. It to me it makes me wonder that maybe he he might give a sniff with the NFL, but it would not shock me that he comes back to Michigan. Uh, and we, we see him on the sideline uh, come October 31st when they host uh, Fresno State. Anybody really, any of the assistants, did another program really make a run at any of them? Because it's a little different for a championship staff sometimes, but we've seen plenty of coordinators that have already taken other jobs, but I'll stay with the team through the playoffs. Um, talk about, like, the splintering of the staff that's supposed to happen because, you know, that's what we find out about a championship coach next is how do you hire? Because now you got to replace everybody. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, uh, one of the media, one of the beat writers that we talked to on a weekly basis had mentioned that she had talked with coach about you know who could potentially be you know if it came down to one of them moving on. He, <laughs> Harbaugh said that. Literally, any of these position coaches, whether it's the Mike Hart at running back coach or uh, Steve Klinkgale, who's in charge of the DBs, or even uh, 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 Bellamy, who's in charge of wide receivers, all the way up and down the board, every one of these guys has the potential of being a head coach. I do think that Sharon Moore and Jesse Minter are ready to go whenever you know whenever their name is called. Kind of like how Mike McDonald was. You know, he was in town for, for one season, yeah. and his brother John said, come on back to Baltimore. I need you as a D.C. Well, you see what the Ravens are doing right now. They they get to sit home for a week before they find out who they play in the divisional round. So any of the, any of the guys are really uh, up for grabs that could be a coach somewhere. But I think Sharon, Sharon Moore, Jesse Mentor are definitely the top two that could really go anywhere and fit in perfectly well. All right, let's uh, get in the DeLorean and go back. I mean, it's like... 15 minutes ago, it was, well, you can do everything except beat Ohio State. What's the problem? And, all right, I'll take a pay cut to keep my job or something. I, whatever. It was weird. I was like, he's the head coach at Michigan. He played quarterback there, and now he's taking pay cut. Um, and he's responded by turning that rivalry on its ear. Was it 1-14 before that? 
Um, just talk about that dynamic right now because yeah, I got Ryan Day looking around for a quarterback the same night that Jim Harbaugh's winning the national championship. You know, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, the the, the recruiting process before the 2020 season when, you know, J.J. McCarthy had, you know, made his commitment, signed his, you know, letter of intent to be a part of the Wolverines. And at that point, he, you know, he put out the tweet that said, Michigan fans, take a deep breath and just relax. We'll have it done. And I think with the way that with J.J. and even the guys that were part of that 21 team, that beat Ohio State for the first time in what seemed like over a decade. Yeah. Um, that was, I think, the the sign that, well, Michigan is probably, you know, that this 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 could be the the sign of the change. And we've seen it where, you know, you've got Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo and some of the guys that were in the secondary and even on the offensive side of the ball that really changed the momentum of things. But I do think at just the, the way J.J. put that little tweet out there, and he's kind of got some of the guys that are like, hey, let's get, let's, you know, you can come be a part of greatness if you move on. It's not, it's no sweat off of our back, but I think it's been more of a team mentality more than just a, a Jim Harbaugh uh, being the sole, like the sole responsibility. I think it's just been the entire team that's really embraced this whole, you know, so let's just beat Ohio State. Let's go out there. Let's play ball and let's have fun out there. And beating Ohio State has just been a part of that culture over the past three years now. All right. I always I want to wrap up with this. I always ask about what's going on cross-state um, because Louisville and Kentucky, it's always connected. Auburn and Alabama, it's always connected. South Carolina, Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, it is nuclear winter in East Lansing. Um, and I love Jonathan Smith, and he brought some of his players and coaches and everything else. Uh, but just talk about that dynamic, that in-state dynamic, because now it's as separate as possible. You've got a scandal on a guy who's suing you for $70 million plus, and we just walked home with the big, giant national championship trophy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with everything going on up the road at East Lansing with Michigan State and, you know, the the debacle that's going on with Mel Tucker and uh and the lawsuit with the university, it's you know, it's it's not it's not a good look for them. Uh but I would say I, I like you just said, Chuck, I do like that uh that Jonathan Smith hiring. I think that what he is gonna bring, especially what he did over at Oregon State over the past couple of years. He is. He turned that program around from being a, a, a almost a an embarrassment in the Pac-12 to having them in a top 25. You know, the past couple of years, giving Oregon uh, and some of the other powers over at the Pac-12 a run for their money as well too, with some of their games even upsetting them at times. And now he brings in his style of football. And I think a lot of the guys that were up there that were thinking about leaving in the transfer portal, I think he's got them bought in. And it may not be an overnight thing where the rivalry will be rebuilt back up the way it was when Mark D'Antonio was here, who is getting inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. I'll tip the cap to him for that one. But I do think within the next couple of years, you will see that the, that Michigan-Michigan State rivalry will be even more heated on the football field where it's, it's not going to be a one-sided, lopsided uh, rivalry like it had been the past couple of years. So I'd say give them, a couple, give them a, at least two years, and I think this rivalry will definitely be a bigger situation between Michigan and Michigan State, no doubt in my mind. 
All right. Well, I do remember seeing a billboard one time that said, come to Michigan, America's summer home for golf. Um, maybe this spring, <laughs> spring is just as nice in Michigan, apparently, according to Coach Harbaugh. So um, we'll see how it goes. Matt, thank you for your time, friend. Thank you, Chuck. Take care. Matt Misler, afternoon drive in Ann Arbor on WTKA. Yes, uh, apparently you want to play golf in the summer. You don't want to do it in, I mean, Florida or Louisiana or Texas or what do you want to do? You go to Michigan, play golf. Jim Harbaugh swears, nope, it's March and April too. Come on up here. It's great to live here. Um, it's even better to live in San Diego. Chargers decided to leave San Diego. Uh, living in L.A., still pretty nice. Uh, living in Chicago, he wouldn't live in Chicago proper. And the Bears aren't going to live in Chicago much longer either. Um so he's got his options, man. And they all turn out, well, like the money's already taken care of. The money's already done. He had an interesting quote, a big family thing last night said, uh, and he had said, I can sit at the big kids table now. He says, I was at the little table until last night. Said, I've got a national championship. He said, my dad had a national championship when he was a coach. Said, um, my brother got a Super Bowl championship. He's like, now I've got my title. He was the most high-profile and the most well-known, Jim Harbaugh, because he also was a player, and he played quarterback, and he's a first-round pick. And I want to say he almost got the Colts to a Super Bowl with a pass into the end zone. Um, and so he had some moments as an NFL quarterback, and so we've always known Jim Harbaugh. And he's very polarizing and bangs pots and pans together and demands we look at him. He didn't have a title, not at that level. But he had always won. Even going back, and I mentioned San Diego. I don't know that they give scholarships, or I don't know that they they gave scholarships when he was the head coach there. Like, that's a different level than Stanford, for instance. So it's just, it's it's an amazing story, and now he has his title as well, so good for him. All right, uh, we break. We wrap up next. of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show very crafty play calls down here and said they just handed this time to Cora. steps back breaks a tackle touchdown michigan Fourth quarter, Blake Corum, candle on the cake. That's life. Makes it 34-13. And the national championship game was done at that point. It really was done a couple of plays before that. Uh, Michigan had scored a touchdown on its also Blake Corum run. Uh, Michigan had scored a touchdown, and then. Washington's in a, we basically, we got to go for it no matter what situation. And they were moving down the field and got to about the Michigan 30. And it's a fourth down and a whole lot more than 10. They're behind the sticks. And Penix, they're down 14. They're going for it. And so Penix throws a pick that goes back like 80. And then it leads to a touchdown. And so there's your score. And by the way, the kid on Michigan 
Michigan's defense made a play. Uh, the kid on Michigan's offense made a play. They all made plays. So it's just because a score – there's two things that we devalue a score for some reason. If it's a really long play, well, if not for that 80-yard interception return, it was an 80-yard interception return. Why? Because he was on scholarship and had been coached by and trained at Michigan. I assume that the linebacker from Michigan State, for instance, wouldn't have taken it quite as far, or maybe not even caught the thing. So just because it happens late in the game, what if that had been the first drive of the game? Well, they had that late score, but it was a lot closer than that. No, it wasn't. Washington is a lot better than 34 to 13. But that was your ball game last night. Hey, uh, how did you enjoy last night's proceedings? Uh, you know, it was just a little bit frustrating, Chuck, because obviously it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter, but you just never felt like no. there was a chance that they were going to do it. Like it, it, Sometimes there's that moment where you say, hi, oh, this could be it. It never felt like they got rhythm in the pass game enough to where you felt like they could actually put it together. I didn't think they could be as perfect as they were against Texas, but they swerved farther away from perfect than I would have imagined. There's also another thing, too, Chuck, which is that, frankly, Michigan at times was frustrating to watch for what they were doing. And, and here's the number that jumped out at me that was pointed out by someone who covers their team. But I, just watching it live, I was thinking this feels like they're not doing it enough. They only ran six play-action passes in that game, Chuck. On those play-action passes, McCarthy was 4 of 6 for 100 yards. On the other 13 dropbacks that they did that were not play-action, 6 of 13 for 40 yards. I mean, you're, you're, you're running the ball effectively, so you've really set up the play-action yep. well. Use it more. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I am looking at like a week-to-week thing and opponents and then maybe if it's working a little bit uh, on the ground game anyway just kind of stay with it and i just felt to me like mccarthy was much more effective off of that and so we'll see a couple other quick things that i just wanted to mention chuck um one popping big plays in that so maybe that's what you were hoping to you know it's the sort of the wing t effect you know two yards two yards two yards 40 maybe they were looking to pop another big play we obviously are not an NFL show, but one thing that has just happened in the last hour or so that I think could be real interesting for what its impact is, depending on what choices Mike Vrabel makes, Vrabel's been fired by the Titans, and obviously he's been linked to the Patriots' job publicly before. We'll see. But, Chuck, what if Mike Vrabel does not decide to coach this year? For whatever reason, he certainly doesn't need the money immediately. If Vrabel says, hey, I'll do TV, I'll mentally reset, I'll give myself <laughs> options next year— how bad do you think, Chuck, that Ryan Day needs Mike Vrabel to take a job with somebody doing something that he's not going to be available a year from now for people to say, we should go hire that guy if Ryan Day dares to lose a game in Columbus? Um, yeah, they're one of those uh, programs, aren't they? One loss is a crisis. Um, yeah. And not even talking Cotton Bowl. Um, that's, that's, that's a legit scenario there. I, I'm, I'm kind of smiling at Mike Vrabel on TV. I like that. I'm in. Oh, I think he'd be very good on TV. That's the thing. Like, if he wants the Patriots job, I'm sure he could get it, assuming it does open. And, I want and, him to have the CBS job. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of jobs I think he could have. He's a good coach. But there's always been talk that he was interested in that Ohio State job. And so yeah. the hardest thing to do when you're talking about getting rid of a successful coach is, always, okay, who are you going to get, smart guy? Now, if he's in that CBS studio or wherever instead yeah. of in his first year on a new deal somewhere – 
the obvious and easy answer. Was, Go get that guy. Look at I, him. I, He's got big personality. These people convinced themselves they were going to get John Gruden for like two decades because he worked in Dayton. So uh, they, they definitely are capable of convincing themselves, oh, this will be easy. Shove Ryan Day out of here. We'll get Vrabel, whether Vrabel wants it or not. One other thing, too, Chuck, that I thought was interesting, uh, the Jaden Maeva news with, with Georgia. Big just, giant kid. Uh, just a really interesting choice, though, to me to take him because you, you don't expect to need him this year. You don't even expect to need him necessarily as a backup this year, although he had, he's more experienced, but he's only got two games against Power 5 teams. So I'm not sure that that experience of one year puts him ahead of Gunnar Stockton if Beck somehow like broke his collarbone uh, right before the season or something. I'm not sure how much that experience would, would move him ahead of a guy like Stockton. I just was really surprised, especially because – you look at it, they've got a kid coming in, 2025 quarterback coming in on the 22nd, the four-star Ryan Montgomery that they're recruiting. It just seems like an odd time to add somebody that would be, you would assume positioning himself for the job in 25, and either he or Stockton gets it or leaves. It just seems like a really interesting time to add him when you don't appear to desperately need him for 24, the, and you're the, trying to land is, a quarterback in two weeks. This is an era, Heath, uh, window the past, like, three years where we have seen more transfers of kids that know, like, there has to have been a conversation. We all know that this season is off the board. Yes, I understand that. Um, that has become a real thing, um, bringing in somebody like remember the uh, the kid who was supposed to be a high school junior that not only reclassified, did it two years early and jumped into Oxford, Mississippi with that depth chart. Um, it's an age of, I understand I'm not going to play right now. Dylan Rayola was actually a little bit of an outlier, I believe. Hey, remember this, they got him when Lincoln Riley wanted him. Why can't Lincoln Riley get quarterbacks all of a sudden? Weird stuff, man. Wraps it up. Tuesday. Me, David, Heath, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.